right. I'm going to read the scripture this morning that we're going to be talking about today. This is 1 Thessalonians 5, 12 to 22. This is Paul writing. He says, Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you and care for you in the Lord and to admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard and love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. And we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive and encourage the, di- the disheartened. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good. Reject every kind of evil. This is the word of the Lord this morning. And perhaps the focus of this passage for us is 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18, where it says, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. This is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. In our church, we've, we've been going through a series where we uh, we look at the structures in our lives that are supporting our relationship with God. So last, we, there's three foundational structures that form, if you will, the bottom of our trellis. The trellis holds up the vine so the plant can be fruitful. But last week we learned about Sabbath as being one of those core practices of Christians that anchors them in the rest of the cross. Uh, next week we're going to be looking at Scripture and meditating on Scripture. And then today we're going to be talking about prayer. So I really appreciated you sharing that song, Holly, because just listening to that song, Eyes Closed, a beautiful prayer inspired by God for David. And that, and that, that passage in Psalm 103 reveals the character of our Father, that he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, rich in love. Some of our um, extreme views keep us from coming to God because we feel like we can never be good enough um, we never can pray enough. We can never read the Bible enough to, to draw near to God. But Jesus says, as Holly encouraged us, come to me. You are weary and burdened. I will give you rest. And come and pray to me. Come and talk to me. So today we'll be talking about this foundational uh, practice of, of prayer. And boy, there's a lot that can be said about prayer. I preached on, um, from Matthew, the Lord's Prayer. I preached on some of the parables of Jesus about prayer this past summer. So you could, you could preach about prayer until the cows come home. It's one of the core practices of our faith. When I was learning the Hebrew language in seminary, I never got to be extremely fluent, but I did learn the Hebrew language. And, uh, and I had an extremely talented teacher who was just fascinated me with every class that we took with him. Just one of those people that knows so much. Uh, and Jackie remembers this class really well. This is 13 years ago. Uh, because I was taught a song by my professor, which was used to help us remember the Hebrew alphabet. And I would sing it all the time. When we were walking around the house, I think Jackie might have learned the Hebrew alphabet too through that song. Interesting, uh, the, our word for alphabet comes from the Hebrew. Aleph, which is A, and Bet, which is B, are the two, first two letters of the Hebrew alphabet. So Alpha, Bet. That's an interesting, interesting lesson to learn. But 13 years later, I can still sing this song and remember the letters and what they mean in Hebrew. It's just amazing how a device like a song can do that for you. 
First Thessalonians, hard to say that word. First Thessalonians, uh, five twelve to twenty two that we read this morning, functions kind of like that Hebrew alphabet song. In that Paul is providing a summary of what a Christian life should look like, a summary that could be easily remembered by new converts who he's teaching in this letter. It's the ABCs of Christian life in a short paragraph meant to be consumed, to be remembered by the early church as they learn what it means to follow Jesus in this new way of life. Um, it takes practice to walk with Jesus. And this, this uh, passage functions as a cliff notes of life with Christ. Reading a passage like this in scripture where it says to pray continually provides a pretty um, overwhelming, anxiety-provoking uh, how are we supposed to do that? How are we supposed to pray continually? Uh, we might feel like this, is, is t- this passage is telling us you need to be able to do all this stuff right now perfectly. And you might feel overwhelmed because it's loaded with information. But remember, it's meant to be a memorable, short passage that's meant to be lived and understood over time. You know, this, this is the cliff notes, the fundamentals, the alphabet of what it means to be live as a Christian in contrast to the old way of life before Jesus came and his Holy Spirit came to live in you and among you. And as we see in this passage, the whole, the whole thing centers on prayer. Verses 12 to 13 talk about uh, careful Christian leadership and teaching. Verses 14 and 15 is about the influence of the entire Christian community on one another, how we influence one another in the church. And verses 16 to 22, as I shared, are the cliff notes of what it means to be a Christian, written here to help these new believers in Jesus, keep track of the basic things, the fundamentals that God expects of us as Christ followers. And it really focuses on this area of prayer. So there's a lot to learn from this passage. First of all, uh, verses 12 and 13, as we're framing this, this conversation about prayer, let's look at what it says earlier in the passage. Paul says, Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord, and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard and love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. I could preach on this every week. It's very self-serving, don't you think? If I was to pre- preach on this every week. Um, hold me in high regard. Hold your teachers in high regard. Um, these two verses are, are simply asking the young church to acknowledge those who work among the church. That could be, in our case, the senior pastor, but many, many other people on a Sunday morning, go into the, and, and during the week, go into new life being new life. There's lots of people teaching and working and leading among us in the church. Yesterday, uh, Jesse Davidson le- and Jackie, my wife, led a charge for our Great Fall giveaway. And like, that's an extreme amount of uh, leadership. That's, uh, that's an extremely large amount of work. And we are told to, uh, to look at the, le- the leaders in the church, whoever they might be, and we're, we're told to hold them in a high regard because they're people that, that God is using to care for our souls. It's interesting to note that uh, these, these leaders in Thessalonica that were being written to here, this church, uh, they, were, they were new converts themselves. They were, they were elders that Paul had set up who were new converts to Christianity. And already, even in this very formative stage of Christian development in the world, God is telling this congregation to pay attention to those who labor among them and to hold them in high regard in love because of their work, and to live at peace with one another. Living at peace with one another is the greatest gift you could give a leader in a church. You know, 
a pastor, a teacher, the greatest gift that the church can give to that person is to live at peace with one another. First, to think of them with love and gratitude instead of harshly judging them. Again, self-serving. Love and gratitude and not harshly judging them. Because these leaders are not perfect. And they don't have it figured out yet. I'm part of, I'm a leader in the church. I have friends who are leaders in the church. And I can tell you that none of us have it figured out yet. None of us are perfect leaders. But we all labor in love and do our very best to teach and encourage the people in our churches. So Paul says to appreciate them, to reward them for their work, to hold them in high regard in your heart when you think of them. They're not perfect, but God has appointed them. You know, when, when, a, church, when a pastor or elders are appointed in a church, it is God who is behind that and, and appoints them. A huge responsibility. So because God has appointed them, um, hold them in high regard with great love because of the work they do, which springs from the calling that these leaders have to teach and pastor and lead within the church. And of course, one of the greatest gifts you can give a God-appointed leader is to make every effort to live at peace with them and with one another. This is the fundamentals of being the church, the body of Christ. Um, The goal is that we make the church experience that we have a delight to all of us. Paul's encouragement here about pastors and leaders reminds me of Hebrews 13, 17. He says... Have confidence in your leaders, submit to their authority, because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so that their work will be a joy and not a burden, for that would be of no benefit to you. Now, what Paul is saying in that passage is, it's a win-win when church leaders are appreciated and encouraged in their leadership ministry, because this appreciation and encouragement gives them the energy to continue leading and loving the church well. I've seen lots of Christian leaders and pastors leave the ministry or step away from the ministry because of the harsh judgments, the discouraging messages they get from their congregations. That kind of of negativity and judgment and um, quick quick judgment of teachers and leaders in the church um, causes them to lose heart. And uh, and when when the leaders of the church have lost heart, then the thing that God's called them to do, to encourage, exhort, and teach uh, the church gets diminished because they're just discouraged. And so I think Paul is saying it's a win-win when churches look at their leaders, whoever they might be, Jesse Davidson, Bert, myself, um, many, uh, Becca, many other people that lead us in worship here, um, to hold them in high regard, to, to love them well, because when they feel encouraged in their ministry, it's a win-win. They, they're able to pour more into that ministry. And it's amazing. I, 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 my district superintendent of, of our denomination said this thing. He said that he believes encouragement is the greatest spiritual weapon that Christians have. Isn't that an interesting thing to say? Encouragement. Oh, there's, there's a word of encouragement that you can speak to a person that will carry them for days or weeks or months. People that are going through a difficult time, they'll receive a word of encouragement that carries them through. And so we're supposed to encourage each other. Um, encourage our leaders. Um, not just the the senior pastor as in the church of our day, but everyone who leads within the church needs encouragement, needs you to come alongside them and and join in the ministry and the work of the ministry. And this makes going to church and being a part of a church a joy for everybody because everyone is following 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered keeps no record of wrongs. 
Love does not delay in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. And love never fails. You know, having these kinds of actions towards our leaders and towards one another, um, this kind of thinking the best of and encouraging the good things is uh, our bread and butter, something we all need to be thinking about doing. Um, and especially if you notice leaders in the church that are doing an awesome job or something that they've done has blessed you, you know, tell them. It really does carry people um, tremendously. There's just too many people that are getting discouraged in the ministry, in the church, that people that God's appointed as leaders uh, among the church who are leaving the ministry because they're just discouraged with all the divisiveness, divisiveness, and divisiveness. It's in our world today. So verses 16 to 22. Uh, these, are, these are some of the basic guidelines for the Christian life, the alphabet. Um, he says, rejoice always. This is where we, we come into a prayerful teaching. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And do not quench the spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. But test them all, hold on to what is good, reject every kind of evil. In these couple of sentences, Paul wants these characteristics to become second nature of the church. They want this to become this kind of um, these kind of actions to be the regular behavior of every Christian. That we rejoice always, we pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. That we would not quench the Holy Spirit by treating prophecies with contempt. But instead, test them all, holding on to what is good and rejecting every kind of evil. These are, these are the kind of things that should characterize Christians. And the big emphasis here is on prayer. You know, think about it. Rejoice always. Rejoicing is a prayer of delight, of joy. Praying continually, you know, praying at all times. And then finally, giving thanks in all circumstances. That's a prayer of, of thanksgiving, being, having a thankful heart. And these types of lived prayers constitute God's will for his people who are in Christ Jesus, according to this passage. That they would be joy-filled, they would remain in prayer at all times, that they would give thanks in any and all circumstances, and that they would not quench the work of the Holy Spirit among them. Treating words or teachings or prophecies of others in the church with contempt, but instead praying about everything that you hear from your brothers and sisters in Christ, and discerning what is good and rejecting what is not. Now, this is another way to show respect to your leaders, to your teachers in the church, your fellow Christians, taking their words seriously, not judging them and dismissing them quickly or prematurely, but seeking the good in what we're hearing from our brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, seeing what part of what they're saying is encouragement meant to come from God, and accepting that, of being humble, to take what other Christians say seriously enough to, to, to test it in prayer. And find what good God can give you through those words. I think when we fail to do this and become just defensive and we dismiss things that people say and the people themselves, somehow tr treating them in our mind as if they're not worthy to speak into our lives and we not, not even listening to their words. Um, in contrast to that, Paul says, don't quench the work of the Spirit, but treat th those words of truth, these prophecies, with, um, with respect 
weigh the words carefully and find out what God's saying to you through them. What are the nuggets that Paul is saying to you through them? And when we become defensive or we dismiss our brothers and sisters in Christ and what they have to say, then we miss out on this great word that God has to speak to us. Hearing Paul's encouragement to, to pray continually or pray without ceasing could be an overwhelming thought to us. But we have to remember, these are the cliff notes, like, much like the Lord's Prayer. Now, Paul is sharing in a concise way um, to let people know that prayer is truly central to their existence as Christians in, in everything we do. This is also the perspective that our denomination, the Christian Missionary Alliance, holds. They say in our, in our vision as a denomination that prayer is the primary work of the people of God. That's what they say. And we strive to be a church where prayer, everything's centered around prayer. Because that's our life with God we're talking about here. You know, Jesus criticized the religious leaders of his day for how, they, how their worship had strayed from being God-centered to being nothing but a money-making scheme in the temple, selling overpriced animals to worshipers who are poor. And he said, you know, you've lost it. You've gone from being God-centered in temple worship to now um, greed and exploiting the poor. And he says something I'm sure you've all have heard before. Jesus said, my house shall be called a house of prayer in Matthew 21. But you have made it a den of robbers. Now, prayer is, I said, one-third of the, tr- of the bomb of the trellis that supports our entire life with Jesus, along with Sabbath and with um, Scripture. It's, it's foundational to everything that we, do, that we do, but yet we often shy away from prayer. We do. Um, much like Sabbath-keeping, I find that people shy away from prayer because, first, they don't really know what that prayer should look like, but not only that, they feel very defeated before they even start to pray because they feel like they're doing it wrong and they just condemn themselves so much. And there's a circle of condemnation surrounding prayer that is um, a difficult thing to break through. You know, most Christians I know struggle with guilt feelings or shame feelings, perhaps more appropriately, um, when it comes to this idea of praying. We say, I should pray more. We hear Paul say, pray continually, and we feel just kind of condemned already because we don't know where to start. But the good news about prayer is that just like Sabbath keeping, it's something we can grow in over time. It's something we can develop. It's a muscle we can develop over time. And prayer is something that we can grow in. We can grow in prayer. It's meant to be a blessing to us, not a spiritual task that we dread every day. But though that's the case, I feel like most Christians I know struggle with prayer, not knowing how to do it, um, not knowing where to start, and, and certainly not understanding how it could be done continually. Um, but let's look at that. Let's look at how we can pray continually you know, from our passage today. You know, pr- prayer takes many forms. In our, in our cliff notes in our passage today, it says rejoice always. You know, pray a prayer of joy and delight back to God. Pray continually. Pray at all times. Give thanks in all circumstances. Pray with thanksgiving. And do not quench the spirit but use prayer to discern God's will. So what could prayer look like based on these scriptural encouragements from 1 Thessalonians? How might praying without ceasing become possible for us? The first thing that Paul says is we are to rejoice in prayer always. This could be very, very simple, practically speaking. As simple as breathing in and breathing out a sentence to God. Of rejoicing, of joy, saying something like noticing 
that uh, it's a beautiful day outside. Just breathing in and saying, thank you, God, for this beautiful day. Thank you. Um, thank you, God, for my spouse and children. Thank you, God, for my friends. Thank you, God, for music. This is one that I often find myself in worship rejoicing when I hear beautiful music that was composed by someone that is just so gifted. And I delight in that. I, I just pray a prayer in a breath of thanks to God. You know, we could even pray um, continually in that theologically we know that God hears our prayers. There's truth that we know in Scripture that we can pray back to God that makes us rejoice. God hears my prayers. God, you thank you for hearing my prayers. Um, I rejoice that you hear my prayers, God. I thank you that you love me and that your will is to help me in my life. Just breathing in and breathing out the truth all day, every day. One of my favorite things to, to pray would be, thank you, God, that you use all things, even this hard thing I'm going through, to conform me to the image of Jesus Christ. Thank you that you use all things for my good. Thank you that you hear my prayer. Now, these are one-sentence prayers. Simple. And they make a huge difference in your, from your entire perspective in life. You are training yourself to see God's heart and his work in and around you. And these simple one-breath prayers that you speak throughout your day will train you to see God's presence and work in everything. This is how we start seeing God in our everything, through prayer. Just one sentence. It's nothing, nothing fancy. And with prayer, it doesn't, it doesn't matter how discouraged you are when you start. God is so happy when his children talk to him. He's so happy. It's, it's like a, a friend of mine whose kids are in college. When, when their kid, uh, call, call, first, first the kid calls every day, twice. Then after a while, when they get their friends and their activities, the calls become less. You might hear from them once a week. But boy, oh boy, do you delight to hear from your kids. You know? And that's how God feels about us. He wants us to, to come to him, just a sentence, rejoicing. Praying a prayer of great joy and delight. To rejoice always. Secondly, we read in our passage, pray continually. Or as Paul says, pray without ceasing. Another part of the scripture is Paul says, whenever I think about you, I never stop giving thanks for you. Now, I think that what he's, it's a hyperbole saying, I, I, I think about you and give thanks for you all the time. Because obviously it's, it's not possible for him to focus on that one thing all the time. But continually, um, he's thinking about others and praying for them, praying at all times. So I think, I think a simple way to start with prayer is to train yourself to pray continually throughout the day. Now, choosing special times to pray. Uh, Ken Shigematsu in his book talks about setting an alarm on your phone to beep throughout your day and remind you it's time to go to prayer. Morning, afternoon, night, whenever is best for you, to offer up a more extended time of prayer for God. And it could be something as simple as five minutes, sometime in your day. Um, when, I, when I was working at the warehouse, in, in warehousing years ago, um, I would just be dying to go into my car and pray for that, just a few minutes, um, to pray in the commute on the way in and out, just to get through the, the difficult day and some of the discouragement that's found 
working with a big group of guys that all bully each other all day long, you know, like high school. Um, so train yourself. Tra train yourself to, 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 breathe, to breathe out, to breathe in and breathe out those simple one-sentence prayers to God. God loves to hear from us. To pray continually. And then finally, give thanks in all circumstances. This is, this is the prayer of thanksgiving. Pray prayers of thanksgiving. I was going through an extended time of depression and struggle several, several years back, and I set aside some time to retreat. So I, I, got, I went and got a room in a hotel uh, for the night at a retreat center. But while I was on this retreat, I still found myself unable to, to pray or connect with God in a way that felt meaningful. So I called a friend of mine who I knew would be encouraging, because they always encourage me. And he prayed for me and then shared a vision that he saw when he prayed for me. So in his vision, I, Nathan, was in a dark, damp, and dirty basement floor in a tall building. There were no windows. I had a little flashlight to get around. Then I noticed an elevator and climbed on board, and it took me to a floor on a higher level with windows, clean and fresh. And in this vision, he said, the elevator was called Thanksgiving. Really stuck with, stuck with me, this vision. Thanksgiving, prayers of thanksgiving can lift you from the pit and bring you to a place where your feet are on a solid rock. You know, this week we celebrate Thanksgiving in our country where we give thanks to God for all of his blessings on us. And that's a great thing. But God wants us wants to hear our prayers of thanksgiving continually. And giving thanks does elevate our perspective and keep us out of the basement where we often live when left to our own devices. So once again, to pray continually is to breathe in and breathe out prayer. In this case, a prayer of thanksgiving. And it might be something like, thank you, God, that I am alive. Thank you that I am healthy. Thank you for this place that you've given us to live. Thank you for my car. Thank you for my wife and kids. Thank you for music. And these continual sentences that pour from your heart, starting with a slow trickle, begin to add up in your life and make a big difference. And as you give thanks, you can feel yourself climbing up, up, up in the, the elevator and the door, door closes. It lifts you up to a floor where there's plenty of light, a good place to dwell. I think that's a picture of what Thanksgiving in prayer looks like. Finally, the passage says, do not quench the spirit, but use prayer to discern God's will. In prayer, we work to not quench the Holy Spirit of Christ within us. So when we hear a teaching, when we hear a word of prophecy, or just words from other people in our church community, in the body of Christ, we pray for God to show us what is good in what they are saying. You know, our first impulse is usually to be defensive when people talk to us. But we're supposed to look for what is good and encouraging in what people are saying. Um, to avoid the pitfall of judging people harshly before we even try to understand what they're saying to us. Because when you are defensive and you judge people harshly and dismiss them as people that can speak into your life, we miss out on words and even correction that's needed from God. So God encourages us, do not quench the Spirit's fire and do this by praying to discern what is good and then accepting what is good and rejecting what is unhelpful or evil. That's a key feature of prayer as well, a prayer of discernment. We're praying to discern 
what God may be saying through others in the body of Christ and praying about these things as we process them. And if we do that, instead of rejecting a brother or sister, we find often a life-changing nugget in what they're saying to us from God. So praying prayers of discernment causes us to love other Christians instead of judging them and dismissing them and causes us to see the value of their perspective in our lives. You know, it's one of the main ways that God speaks to us is through our brothers and sisters in Christ and the church. And it doesn't always have to be condemnation. It can be encouragement. It can be really receiving, receiving what they have to say to us, even correction that is lovingly given. So this is the encouragement we receive about prayer in our passage today. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all, holding on to what is good. Reject every kind of evil. Now, praying does not need to feel like a chore. Now, praying is meant to help us become aware of God's presence in all the things we experience in life, um, whether we are having a quiet time where we set aside time to do that or we are breathing a, pr- a breath prayer as we do our dishes. Every once in a while, we pray, we pray a sentence of rejoicing, Thank, thanking God for the, for the gifts that he's given us that delight us. Music, the love of a child, thanking God for the gifts he's given to people around us. And we pray continually, not, not in terms of praying long, long-form prayers with many, many words, but with a breath. Breathing in and praying for someone who pops into your head. Breathing in and praying for wisdom in a situation at work or at home. Sending someone a text, letting them know that they came to mind and you prayed for them. Um, sending an encouragement to someone. And then praying again. You know, praying with people. Praying for them or, and allowing them to pray with you and for you. And we, we breathe in once again and we pray prayers of thanksgiving. And as we continually offer up sentences of thanksgiving to God, just breathing in and breathing out these sentences of thanksgiving to God, for the many things that God's blessed us with, we become elevated from our earthly perspective and we become endowed with a heavenly perspective that comes from God on our lives. And this is just, again, a sentence or two. I mean, Jesus said, people that don't know God pray with many words and with fancy words because they believe that with many words and fancy words, God will be more likely to hear them. He said, not so with you. Keep it simple. I think Jesus encourages us to, to, to start small in this area. And then allow that small start to overtake our entire life. And then finally, in these, in these cliff notes of prayer, we're instructed not to quench the Spirit's fire through negativity about what others say and do in the church, but to stoke the Holy Spirit's fire into flame by praying prayers of wisdom and discernment when others in the body of Christ share with us teachings or prophecies. It's like saying, God, help me see the wisdom you have for me in what blank said to me. It's really bothered me since I heard it, and help me to find wisdom from what this person said to me. God, what this person said in my small group has been nagging at me. Help me to see the wisdom in that. What is good in what they said? It's sticking with me. God, help me to see what what's the truth is from you and what is simply a discouragement in what 
this person said to me that's been bothering me. These are the things that we, we discern in prayer. We hear prophecies, we hear scripture, we hear encouragements, and we, we test them. We pray over them that God would give us what is good and get rid of what's bad. Because certainly holding on to, to negative words that turn out to be not helpful or even evil from other people in your life can be just as destructive as not holding on to the good words. That's a whole way of praying and measuring and not assuming we know the answer. I think that as we sort through these ideas of prayer and we we start small, you know, we begin to hear more from God in our lives. There's so much more that could be said about prayer. I have not even attempted to replicate the chapter on prayer that Ken has in his book. But chapter 5... I want you to read this. It has such practical insight into prayer. Some of the keys, key ideas for me concerning prayer as we move forward is start small. Just like with the other disciplines that we talk about in our series, if you make a small change, it will make a big difference over time. To train yourself to pray a sentence or two, you know, when you wake up before you grab your phone or put your feet on the floor in the morning, pray a sentence or two. Um, Train yourself to pray a sentence or two at the end of every day, thinking about the day that you had with its uh, victories and disappointments and asking God to help you recall uh, what he's doing in in you. You Try finding a place to pray that you go to every day. And stop condemning yourself for not praying enough or not praying correctly. Instead, offer, offer a prayer, a sentence, a breath prayer to God throughout the day as you go about your regular life. My trellis in this area of prayer um, consists, one of the things I started doing after I heard Ken speak for the first time was he recommended an app um, called Pray As You Go. And most days, I turn on this app on my phone. It shares a scripture. It asks you to construct a prayer from that scripture. You pray the scripture back to God in that experience. This is, again, no more than a sentence or two, but it's a prayer based on scripture, and so it's a very powerful thing. Other parts of my my trellis are praying each Wednesday with my friends from church in our prayer time, which anyone is welcome to join us. And as we pray together, I have learned to pray and, and grown in what prayer can look like as I've listened to the way other people pray, as I've been prayed for by other people. So through listening to to one of my friends a few years ago, I learned that nothing is off limits for for prayer. Like I had a friend that just said everything passionately that came into his mind. And he taught me that I can talk to God about anything, about my my needs, about my struggles, no hiding. I learned that from a person praying with somebody. From several people in the church, I've learned the value of praying through organized lists of things. You know, some of the list makers who, who will write down a list of all the churches in the area and then pray through this list of churches on a certain day of the week. Or, um, or praying through, just, just praying through uh, in an organized way, by day, by time. If that's your thing, more power to you. That's an awesome way to do it. And I've learned to do that somewhat from people that pray that way. And uh, part of my trellis every, every, every Wednesday is praying with this group even when I don't feel like it. There are times when, when I just don't feel like going to prayer yet. It's early in the morning. 
I, I, I'm not in the right mindset in my own, in my own evaluation. But God meets. God meets you when you pray regularly with other people. And God teaches you to pray through other people. And uh, I, I've commit, I, I read in a book that everything that we do in church should be sandwiched in prayer. And, and since that time, you know, I read that book, I've just tried every time I do a teaching, every time I do a sermon, every time we do anything in the church to pray before and after we talk about it, to bathe it in prayer. Because without the Holy Spirit's power, you know, what's, what's the point? Um, so bookending meetings and, and things with prayer, just training ourselves to remember that prayer is so important through this discipline. Other times in life I've prayed, it's worked for me to pray on breaks at work, as I told, told you about, or during a commute, you know, instead of turning your radio on or your music on or your audio book on, you know, just, sit, just drive in silence. Allow God to bring things to mind that you then pray for. Uh, listen, to, listen to the Bible being read to you on one of these apps and then pray a prayer in response to what you're reading. So these are, these are great things to, to bring into your life. Another part of my trellis of prayer is uh, remembering to offer up these short little prayers. It makes such a big difference. And my favorite, my favorite ones so far are, Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Jesus, fill me with your spirit. Those are two prayers. They're such powerful prayers. They're so short, but they make a big difference in your life. Just for some added perspective, I wanted to have my friend Lynn come up and share a few words about prayer from her perspective. So you'd hear from her and uh, see if what she has to share resonates with you. But by all means, this is a, a buffet of knowledge and information from the scripture. And um, the, the encouragement is to try something. There you go. Thank you. So I don't usually have a hard time getting up here and talking, but um, this is a pretty big challenge for me. Um, I am not the most disciplined prayer. And to me, growing up, my mom always did a devotional and prayer first thing in the morning. <laughs> that was her way of doing it. Holly talks about doing that, and I know a number of you do that here. And I'm not the most clear person in the morning, <laughs> so that's not the best time for me, and I, I don't do that. Um, some mornings maybe I do, yes, but I, don't, I can't stand up here and tell you that I, every morning, get up and pray regularly. So let's dispel that myth. <laughs> I'm not the expert on prayer. But what I have learned through the years, going through a number of seasons of prayer, is that at different times in your life, different things, God speaks to you in different ways, and you speak to God in different ways, and at different times of the day. I grew up always saying my prayers at night, every night, without fail. Now, I'm so tired, I'm old now, <laughs> and I'm tired at night, and so I fall asleep during those prayers half the time if I try to do that. It doesn't work for me anymore. So sometimes, yes, I wake up early and nice and awake, and I take my Bible, and I spend some time with God. Um, but most of the time, what it looks like to me is that prayer continually happens throughout my day. Um, little bits here and there, and that is definitely where I, uh, I find answers to prayer. Um, when I was working, I would go into a meeting thinking, I can't do this, especially when I was in HR. Sometimes we had to have hard conversations, and I would just say, God, come with me in that help me to know 
how these people are feeling. Help me to respond in the appropriate way. Give me the words to say. Give me the solutions. And he always did. And he always still does that. And I'm going to tell a story about Amy because, Holly, you mentioned that song, which I knew we were going to do today. Um, Amy used to pray by singing with us, and she still prays through songs and through lyrics of songs. She's a friend of, of mine, and she's recently um, gone to a new church, and she's going there with some close friends, and she got there one morning, and she's like, you know, I just don't know if this is where I'm meant to be. And she said the worship team were singing off-key, and she was just cringing, and she just threw a prayer out there, God, you know, please let me know. <laughs> Help me to feel like I belong here. And they started singing that song, The Lord is Gracious and Compassionate, which was kind of her song years ago. And she knew, she just got that warm feeling that everything was going to be okay. Um, and she has felt comfortable and at home in that church since that time. So it's interesting how we all pray a little bit differently or at different times. God answers us in different ways, but he always answers us. Whether we're on the run praying. One time I almost got in an accident because I was in such deep prayer driving. <laughs> I tend to pray when I drive. Um, I put on worship songs and I pray when I drive, but don't let it get distracting you because you could get hurt or hurt someone else if you do that too much. Um, but what the other part, and probably the strongest part of my prayer life now, is praying in corporate prayer, in groups, small groups with other people. Um, and you don't have to be the most articulate. I certainly am not. Um, you can use a list. Very often we do. Um, but um, praying together with people is where you just really feel that God is answering you. And I know you guys pray at the couches after church and together as a couple. Like, so we all have a group that we could pray with, but praying with that group is just the best way to pray in, for me because my group holds me accountable. <laughs> yes, I've got to be focusing on this prayer. And yes, God is here because we have seen so much in terms of answered prayer with our Wednesday group. And even if I can't make that Wednesday group, I know because we have a list of, of the things we always pray about every week. So I know most of what they've prayed for, and I can pray on my own if I can't be there that Wednesday morning. So again, I'm held accountable for that. And our Friday group, we make a list. And that list helps me. Maybe I only have five minutes in the morning before I go out the door, but I can go over that list. And I can get that list out and pray those prayers that we've prayed on Friday throughout the week. So for me, I really enjoy that. I enjoy having friends hold me accountable to be praying all the time. So I guess the other thing I wanted to say is just it's important not to stop praying. <laughs> because we get busy, God answers our prayers, and everything's going good. I don't know about you, but then I forget all of a sudden. And then God's going to get our attention, right? <laughs> so it just, he'll bring us back. He will bring us back. But what he really does want is for us to pray continually. And so even though I love the idea 
of having a really structured prayer time. I, I, I don't always, other than my corporate groups, um, but I know God is always with me, he's always there and he's always listening. So I know I can focus for a moment on him and he will honor that. Thank you, Lynn. Years ago, um, my friend Linda, who started the Wednesday prayer, we were talking in the parking lot, and um, she was talking about there's a spiritual battle going on. There's stuff going on that we don't see. Evil and good working, you know, fighting one another. Um, we, need to, we need to make this a priority to pray if we believe that that's true. And that's when the prayer started on Wednesdays. Because she is right. We, we have all this lofty theology about um, what's going on in the world and spiritual, the spiritual attack and oppression and even literal oppression of people. And um, prayer is the big weapon that we have. And so we just have to make time for it. Make, make it, make it work. Um, just, just start somewhere. Because God wants to hear from us. He wants to hear our rejoicing. He wants to hear us discerning. He wants to hear us giving thanks. He wants to hear us complaining and crying out to him. Things that we never thought we could talk to God about. You can talk to him about those things. And so I just encourage you this morning as we uh, close with this worship song. Uh, just to be thinking about the mercy and grace of God. Which covers this whole discipline of prayer.